I have a very important question for you, church. Are you ready for God's word? I love third service. Y'all are small but mighty. Y'all are just as loud as second. It's awesome. But I do want to thank our pastor so much for entrusting me the platform this Sunday. I don't take it lightly. I know it is an honor and a privilege to be able to share God's word with you guys today. And I'm very excited to jump into God's word. And I do want to introduce myself again. Many of you guys know me as Pastors Chris and Melissa's daughter. Some of you know me as the worship pastor for FCM. But very few of you guys know me as the youth pastor. I'm actually Foundation's youth pastor, and it is a joy to be able to pour into the next gen. And since I preach to students, sometimes I like to give my students tests and ask them questions. So I was wondering... Do you guys want to do a test with me today of concentration? All right, come on. All are like, man, I'm out of school now. Stop it. <laughs> but all right, it's just one minute. We're going to see how well you guys can count, okay? Roll the film. Did you get it right? You guys catch it? All right, I know that you guys uh, may have seen this video before, but if this was your first time, did anyone else miss the moonwalking bear or was I the only one? I've actually seen a few of these types of videos and I can never catch it even when I know I'm supposed to be looking for something. But this is actually a well-known phenomenon. It's called change blindness. And the definition of change blindness is when a change in a visual stimulus is introduced and the observer does not notice it. So this is just a fancy way of saying change blindness is when people, things, the world is changing around you and you don't notice it. So it got me thinking, guys, if humans are able to trick us, right, if we're concentrated on the white team and we don't notice the moonwalking bear, how much more can the enemy trick us? No, think about this with me. It's in the enemy's nature to lie to us, to distract us, to distort the truth. If you don't believe me, open up your Bible to John 8, It says that the enemy was a murderer from the very beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So it's in the enemy's character to lie to us because he hates the truth. So do you guys think that it might be possible for the enemy to lie to us strategically 
and consistently over time spread a thousand little micro lies over your life, over your home, over your family, over your marriage, over this world. To where a year, two years, five years later, you look at yourself and your home and you don't recognize it? Do you think it's possible? This is the enemy's game plan. He's not going to overnight try to change everything. He's not going to try to lie some big whopper to you that you'll never believe. No, what he's going to do is consistently but strategically begin to just throw out small little lies to you day after day after day after day to where you look back and you don't recognize yourself. You don't recognize what he's doing. You see, he lies subtly so that we don't notice. I have a feeling that today's message may be verses that if you have already read before. It may be things that you've already heard. But can I tell you guys, I believe that this word is profound. And it's not because of anything I'm going to tell you here today. But it's because of God's truth that is eternal and that is life-giving that will transform your heart and your mind. Can we bow our head and pray over today's word? Lord, I just want to pray over every heart, over every mind that is here today, God. I pray, Jesus, that we would recognize that your word is alive, God, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord, that it can pierce our very soul, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would recognize that you are the way, God, that you are the truth, Lord, that your gospel is life-giving and transformative, Lord, and brings freedom and hope, God. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, allow us to abide in your word and to stand on your truth. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today's first point in our breaking point sermon is number one, my opinion is not truth. I have my students repeat after me so that they can commit it to memory. Somebody say my opinion is not truth. Come on, for the person in the back, my opinion is not truth. You see, humans are fickle creatures, meaning we change our minds a ton, do we not? After all, guys, it's because we're finite. We can only remember so many things. We can only make so many decisions. If you don't believe me about how we can't make up our mind, just ask your wife where she wants to go for lunch after this. But guys, hear me out. How many of you have a hard time remembering what you had for dinner two weeks ago? How many of you guys have a hard time remembering what you wore in first grade on the first day of school? Do you remember the, all the list of the restaurants that you went to on family vacations four summers ago? Do you remember the list in the grocery list or the honey to-do list that your wife gave you if it was verbally? Wives, I have a tip for you. Write it down and text it to them. And text. Send a video if you need to of explanation. But guys, the fact of the matter is we all have trouble remembering and we all have trouble making up our minds and making decisions because we're human. We're human while God is infinite. That's why we were so distracted by counting the number of passes of the white team that we couldn't see the moonwalking bear right in front of us. 
But yet we get it wrong so many times and the world is still so keen and eager to share their opinions, to spread their thoughts, and to tell us what is on our mind. I know some of you guys may be anti-phone, but I am half Gen Z, half millennial, so I am really aware of what's going on on social media, at least I try to be. But let me fill you guys in on a secret in case you don't know. On your phone, your students, your children, the next gen is constantly seeing YouTubers, vloggers, bloggers, politicians, doctors, celebrities, athletes share their opinions and their thoughts. Everyone is trying to tell us what we should believe, how we should dress. Come on. Bloggers are telling us, no, you need to dress this way. Athletes are telling us, no, you need to eat this food. Politicians are telling you, no, you need to vote this way and believe this thing. And what's crazy to me is we've already proven that the human mind is fickle and can be changed so easily, but people are still so eager to share their opinion. And I think it's because we just like to hear ourselves talk. I think it's also because our culture and generation has become so enamored with the idea of my truth. Have you guys ever heard that? Well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. Or that's good for you, but that's not good for me. Oh, your family likes to do that Jesus thing, that church thing. How wonderful. Well, our truth is the Buddha thing. Our truth is there's, there's many ways to heaven. Come on, guys. Have you heard it? It's gotten so popular that we actually have a definition now for this crazy phrase. My truth is defined as what is true to me or true for me based on my own experience and understanding. That's a subjective truth. In case you don't know what subjective truth means, a subjective truth is a truth based off of a person's perspective, feelings, or opinions. Okay, it's subjective, meaning it only applies to certain people, things, and situations, right? But the definition of my truth goes on to say it is valid and meaningful, but it only exists for a certain person or the people group that shares that experience or beliefs. Wait, am I the only one that's confused? So my truth is subjective, meaning it has to do with a person's feelings and experiences, but it's also valid, meaning it's true and correct. No, something can't be subjective and valid. It's either always true or it's never true, right? It's either always right or never right. It's not sometimes and sorta and kinda. Truth ceases to be true if everything is correct. I don't think you guys are hearing me, so let's illustrate this point. Let's see, let's see, who do I wanna pick on today? All right, Nathaniel, can I have you stand? This is my awesome, oh, I love that you're coming up here. Come up here, yeah. This is Nathaniel. Everyone give it up for Nathaniel. He is an awesome young saint of mine, so I'm glad you're up here today. All righty, Nathaniel, what color is your shirt? Green. Green. All righty. I'm sorry, but today I identify as colorblind, so your shirt looks really pink to me today. All right, family, let's help, let's help us out. Uh, is his shirt green? No one thinks his shirt's pink. But guys, I see pink when I see him. Come on, help me out. 
Are you sure it's not pink? Some, oh, you guys are getting quieter now. You've been raised in the generation of my truth. You're questioning yourselves. You're like, now that you mention it, I do see a beautiful pink hue. Hmm. No, I hate to break it to you guys. I'm going to take you back to kindergarten. This is green, whether or not I see it. All right, Nathaniel, how tall are you? Be honest. Uh, I think it's about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, All right, back to back. Come on, I'm 5'7". All right, you're about 5'7". Okay, good job, good job. Um, all righty, so I actually have a depth perception, Nathaniel. So to me, from this angle, you look about nine feet. I think that you're nine feet, and I'm identifying as a 4'11 person today. So I feel 4'11. Okay, is Nathaniel nine feet, guys? Are we still the same height? Am I 4'11"? Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Thanks, Nathaniel. All right, you can have a seat. Give it up for Nathaniel. You see, guys, truth doesn't cease to be true just because my perspective or my feelings or my outlook has changed. That's why John 14 says, John told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, God is truth. There isn't my truth or his truth or her truth or they, them's truth. It belongs to God. And it's time as a generation and in a culture that we stop taking ownership over something that isn't ours to begin with. Truth belongs to Jesus. Truth has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Come on. I know we may not like it, but can I tell you it's the truth? All right, Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, God is telling us here that his thoughts and his ways are perfect. Compared to us, our thoughts and our feelings and emotions are so limited. They're so trivial. Because compared to Jesus Christ, we can only see a speck of what is happening in the universe around us. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor Kel, how can you be so cruel? How can you be so unprogressive and, and heartless? You're the limited one here. You're cruel because I genuinely believe some people feel like they were born in the wrong gender. Others sincerely and genuinely believe that they know what's best for their life, not God. Some people believe that the life starts after birth, not at conception. How dare you judge that family? They don't believe in tithing. They don't believe in assembling together. They're still part of the bride. Oh, how dare you? There's multiple ways to heaven. You can work your way to heaven. You can be good enough. And to those people, I would say, I believe you're genuine. And I believe that you're sincere, genuinely and sincerely wrong. Genuinely and sincerely wrong. 
Because as proven by the social experiment that we watched, as humans, we can be manipulated and distracted so easily because we're limited. But can I tell you, God is limitless and constant. That's why Proverbs 14 tells us, there is a way that seems right to man. It looks good. It looks correct. It looks valid. But the end is the way of death. Proverbs 14 in a different version goes, there is a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time. The world makes it look like a lot of fun, right, guys? But all that laughter will end in heartbreak. You see, all of us have our own thoughts and notions and opinions. And I'm not trying to be mean. I know that our feelings are meaningful. I know that God gave us our feelings and emotions for a reason. But just because they're real doesn't mean they're valid. You see, our truth as humans is groundless because it doesn't have a leg to stand on, family. Because we aren't the creator of the universe. We can't see past a few steps in front of us. I can't change the past and I don't know the future. So why would I trust myself to determine what truth is? Better yet, why would I trust the opinions and emotions and feelings of someone else to dictate to me what is right and what is wrong before I line it with God's holy word? You see, truth is not fluid. Truth is not subjective. Truth has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Number two, feels fade. I meant to write feelings. I forgot I was talking to adults here. <laughs> feelings fade or feels, whatever you identify with. <laughs> but the Father never changes. Amen. Feelings fade, but the Father never changes. I want you guys to go back with me for a little bit. Can you remember your favorite food when you were five years old? Maybe candy? I know for me it was probably pizza, now it's filet mignon, you know, things change. What about your favorite place in the whole wide world when you were about eight years old? Maybe it was the tree house that your dad built, maybe it was the football field, where was it? Or can you remember your favorite game on the schoolyard? Come on, go back with me. Was it Duck, Duck, Goose? Was it Freeze Tag? Some of you that may want to show your age, maybe it was Jack's, I don't know. Hey, I play jacks too. It's okay. You can admit it. Or what about your first crush? I'm talking brand spanking first school crush. You were probably seven or eight years old and you saw a guy or a girl across the lunch table and you thought, wow, I feel something in my heart. Are those butterflies? And chances are you never spoke to that person ever and you never saw them again after that school year, right? Amen. Somebody said. <laughs> but things change, right? things change. The food that you liked at five years old, chances are that isn't your favorite food anymore. The game that you love to play when you're eight, chances are you don't do that all the time now. The person that you were praying to God that you would end up with, thank the Lord that you didn't end up with them, right? Things change. And to illustrate it, I would love to show you guys some pictures of our rush leaders. I don't know if you guys know these handsome people, but this is Mr. Jonah who sings on our platform. And this is his beautiful bride, Miss Carissa. Let's keep it going. 
This is Coach Siegel, Mr. Jason, our elder, our church elder, and his beautiful wife. Let's keep it going. All right, we got the Fozzes up in the house, <laughs> Mr. Terry and Miss Tracy. All right, let's keep going. All right, this is Mr. Jamie. He's who preached last week. Give it up for Mr. Jamie. He did awesome. And that hair, wow. All right, let's keep going. All right, we got the Foz family, junior and senior, and Miss Myra. I was like, contrary to popular belief, go back. I was like, that's not Mr. Terry in that corner. That's, that's Mr. Lass. <laughs> let's keep going. Oh, wow, that's me and my husband up there. I don't want to toot our own horn, but if we ever procreate, adorable kids. I'm just telling you, adorable kids. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> wow, those are our pastors, pastors Chris and Melissa. Look at those cute people up there. I love it. All right, guys. I had the permission from every person to show their photos. And the second thing that I asked them besides their permission was, are you the same person that you were when you took those photos? And I, can I tell you that I had a resounding no. I am not the same person. I had some heck knows I'm not the same person. And even more, I had thank the Lord that he saved me and he changed me and I'm not who I once was. Amen. But I have a feeling if we put some old photos of you guys up there, you probably wouldn't be able to recognize yourself. Maybe you'd be embarrassed about the hairstyle or what you were wearing, but chances are your decisions that you made back then, you may want to change or rearrange as well. So I have a question for you. Just like we change so quickly and so easily over the years, would you be comfortable making a decision that would affect your eternity and the rest of your life based off of emotions? Would you be comfortable betting your salvation and your eternity based off of your feelings? That's why the Bible warns us not to trust our feelings. I'm sure if you guys reflect on a couple that maybe got married the same time that you and your spouse got married, and you've seen how their love changed and their love faded and how they're going through a divorce, you probably wouldn't recognize that couple anymore. What about a coworker who got hired around the same time that you got hired and now they're fired for misconduct? You probably don't recognize that coworker anymore, right? What about a high school friend that where you were close to and then you saw them go to college and everything changed and their world fall, fell apart? You probably don't recognize them, do you? It's because over time the enemy is able to lie to us, able to distort the truth and change us slowly but surely. That's why we have to be careful about the outside influences that can affect our emotions and feelings, like our friends, the music we listen to, the shows and the movies that we watch, social media, our workplace, even our family can influence how we think and change how we feel. That's why Jeremiah 17 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. How desperately wicked it is. Who really knows how bad it is? You see, we are human, so not only are we limited, but our feelings and our heart lies to us. That's why Proverbs warns us, guard your heart, church, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So what you think, what you feel, your emotional state will affect who you are and what you become. That's why the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So whatever you think, whatever you allow the enemy to speak over you, whatever lies you believe, you're ultimately going to become. That's why God is warning us, guard your heart. And that's why I believe there's so many broken and messed up people in our world. Because the enemy is lying to our generation. The enemy is lying to our culture and society day after day after day. And people are believing it hook, line, and sinker. And it's time that we recognize as Christians that we need to align our thoughts, our behaviors, and our feelings with God's word. And I didn't plan on speaking about this this week when I was preparing my message, but I really felt that the Holy Spirit was impressing this upon my heart. And it may just be for one person, but it's enough if it's just for one person. This is for all of the parents or the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, anyone who pours into the next generation. A coach, I don't care who you are, but if you talk and you have influence over someone, especially the next gen, I would like for you to give me a moment of your time. It's time that we as parents, that we as leaders over the next gen, understand that our students' and children's feelings are meaningful, that they are real, that they are vulnerable, but that doesn't always mean that they're valid and correct. Hear me out. My parents loved me fiercely. They understood where I was coming from. They related to me. They were endearing and kind. But if a feeling that I had, if it didn't line up with God's word, they wouldn't let it take root in my heart. For instance, let's say I had a childhood heartbreak. I'm sure your kids have been there before. You've been there before too. Where someone broke your heart. And I'm sad about it. And I'm, I was discouraged. And my dad, you know, would say he understood and that he got that it hurt. But he told me next week it's going to feel a lot better. Trust me. So he'd give me an hour a day, sometimes an entire week. But when that week was up, they'd come in busting through the doors. They'd turn on the lights. And my dad would say, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. And God's word says that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the reason why this boy was removed from your life was because God knew that he was distracting you from the purpose that he has on your life. And and my mom would come in, she'd start playing the worship music and singing, and I'd be like, oh, can't you just let me deal with this like a normal teenager? Can't you just let me be sad for a minute? Why do I always have to be joyful? And my parents would say, it's because I'm not raising a normal, regular teenager. I'm raising a child of the Most High King. And it's time that you recognize that even though your feelings are real, it doesn't mean that they're valid. You don't have to believe every single lie that the enemy is speaking over you. And that's not cruel. That's actually the kindest thing that you can do to someone in the next gen. Because I'm going to be very honest with you and real with you. If I can have two more minutes of your time and then we'll move on. Our generation is being lied to constantly. They get on their phones and strangers, complete strangers, are in your kid's bedroom diagnosing them with problems that they don't have. If you fidget, if you don't like to make direct eye contact, if you bite your nails, you could have autism. And 
I'm not saying that that thing isn't real. What I'm saying is, why is a complete stranger speaking over your child? Well, if you have shortness of breath, that could be a sign of a panic attack. Here's, our, here's coping mechanisms. If I run too fast, I have shortness of breath. If I run to that exit door, there's going to be shortness of breath. But now all of a sudden that lie is playing in my head. Am I having a panic attack? Am I having a panic attack? I'm not saying that these things aren't real, guys. What I'm saying is, is our generation is being told lies constantly, being spoken over constantly. And it's time that we recognize as the leaders, as the parents, as the teachers, as the grandparents, that we should have more authority in our children's lives than anyone on social media, any one of their friends. You have the power and the influence to be able to speak God's truth over their lives, to speak God's word over their lives, and to speak God's word over your own life. I know it may be hard for you guys to imagine, but last month I was in a terrible, no good mood. No good mood. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Has anyone been there? And it felt like everything was wrong. Nothing was right. Everything was inadequate. It wasn't good enough. And I woke up, and immediately I saw my husband. I was like, oh, so annoying. <laughs> and then we go eat, and I'm like, oh, this food tastes awful. I put this food out of my sight. We get in the car. I'm like, oh, this stinky, awful, no good for nothing car. This room, oh, my, my living room, oh, not contemporary enough. Don't like the couch. Why did I buy that couch? Has anyone been there? The, oh, thank you. One man being honest. I know you guys think it too. You don't voice it, but you think it. But guys, I just felt it building. I felt like it was about to take over me completely. I was about to burst. And I really felt in, the, in that moment the Holy Spirit spoke to me specifically Take your thoughts captive. And I fought it. I was like, nah, I, I, I'm comfortable right here in this mood. Take your thoughts captive. And the Holy Spirit spoke over me. Take your thoughts captive and make every thought obedient to God's word. You need to align your thoughts and your feelings with God's word. And in that moment, I just, in the name of Jesus, I rebuked every lie that the enemy was speaking over me. I rebuked every mistruth that I spoke and that I said. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I give my life to you, God. I give my thoughts to you, God. This life is yours, Lord, not my own. And it was incredible. In an instant, that funk and that wave just started falling off of me. And I looked at my husband, and he was like the most attractive man in the world to me. I ate the food and I was like, man, this food is delicious, even though I had to warm it up because I wouldn't eat it at the restaurant when I had the opportunity. I ran around my house, oh my gosh, look how much room I have in this living room. And then I turned on the AC in my car and I said, thank you, Jesus, because the AC is working in my car. But some of us today, we need to take our thoughts captive. We need to make sure that they align with God's word. That's why Jeremiah 17 says, but I, the Lord, search your heart. I examine your secret motives even. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So this is what we need to do. Not only do we need to help our children examine their thoughts, we need to examine our own. That's why the gospel gives us further instruction in Psalm, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So anxiety is still going to be present, guys. Fear will still come. Worry will still be there. But instead of trying to do it on your own, instead of believing the lies that are being spoken over you, you have to invite God in. Invite God into your heart. And then ask him to point out anything in you that offends him. Anything in him that offends him. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, it's time that we ask God to examine our hearts and our motives and our thoughts. And I know that this is really unpopular because the world is so quick to preach tolerance and acceptance and to celebrate sin even. But can I tell you, the fear of the Lord is to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. If you want to be, yeah, if you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, if you want to be set free, if you want to walk in victory with King Jesus, then you have to invite him in to your heart and to your mind. You have to be willing to get vulnerable with him and say, Lord, come in, and if anything inside of me does not honor you, Lord, if anything in my thoughts displeases you, if any of my motives and my actions aren't godly, then, Lord, I give you the authority to help change me and rearrange me, God, because I don't want to copy the behaviors and the patterns of this world anymore. Copying this world has gotten me nowhere. Lord, instead, Jesus, I ask that you renew my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because Numbers tells us that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Amen. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God has never failed us. God never changes his mind like we do. Because he's holy. He's holy, so he never changes. That's why we need to tie ourselves to the one who never changes. Our opinions, our emotions, the feelings that we have are so easily manipulated and swayed, guys. So I just want to encourage you this morning to tie yourself to the one who never changes, Jesus Christ. And base your feelings off of God's word. Don't base your beliefs off your feelings. I'm going to say that one more time for the first in the back. Base your feelings off of God's word, not your beliefs off of your feelings. Change your feelings to align with his word, not the other way around. And number three, Lord, sanctify my thoughts. Sanctify my thoughts. Sanctify means to be set apart, to be holy, consecrated. It means to become Christ-like. Leviticus 19 tells us, speak to all of the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, your Lord, your God, am holy. First Peter tells us, but just as the one who called you is holy, church, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So Christ commands us, church, to be holy like he is. And I know, I've already told you, this goes against everything that we've been taught in our society. But can I tell you there's a better way? And it's his way. It's Christ's way. The only way. So what if we stopped conforming Jesus into our image and we started conforming to Jesus' image? How would our life change? I just want to get real with us. We're about to end, but I believe we're seeing a lack of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because of the Holy Spirit. 
He's always at work. The God is, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not because of him, but because of us. We're constraining the Holy Spirit by dumbing down the gospel and washing up truth. We are trying to appease people into the kingdom. We say, okay, if you'll, if you'll do 85% you know, of the commandments, if you believe 90% of God's worth, then we'll let you buy with that 10%. If you let my sin slide, we'll let your sin slide. Oh, it's okay. That, that, that's a good batting average. Oh, that, that, that's practical. That's passing, yeah, 99% of the gospel, that's good. We'll let that 1% slide, that's all right, as long as you come and fill the seats. And I'm not saying that's our church because we're so blessed to be in a church that spreads the gospel and stands on truth. But what I'm saying is globally, and especially in the church of America, we are trying to appease people. And by appeasing people, we're displeasing our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one that we honor and answer to. And I want you to think it through with me. If you think about the rich young ruler, right? He asked, what might I do so that I can follow you, Christ? And Christ said, what? Oh, just make a generous charitable contribution and then you can follow me. Oh, just give up one of your cars. You can keep the rest. Oh, as, as long as you help finance our next building plan. No, he said, what? Give everything away. It would have been so easy for Jesus to appease him. But instead, Jesus said, no, you have to give everything so that you might follow me. So if that is our example, that we might tell people the whole gospel, the whole truth, not wash it up, not dumb it down. Why are we trying to peddle a washed up, cheapened version of salvation to others? We're worried about offending other people. Can I tell you what's more offensive is not sharing the full truth and the full counsel of the gospel. So when they meet their maker, Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Come on, live this with me. I feel this every day because I'm a preacher. Every single time I get up here, any single time I disciple your kids, I pray to God and I say, Lord, let it be your word that is spoken through me. Let it not be my own opinion. Let me not be embarrassed. Let me not be ashamed. Let me not twist or destroy, Lord. Let it always be your gospel and your truth, Lord, because you're the only way. And we're trying to grow a church that has no power. Can I tell you where real freedom comes? From his spirit. When Jesus is present. And he is present through his living word. Through his living word. And so if you have a family member. Man, this is just for third service. <laughs> if you have a family member who you've been trying to invite to church and you've had no luck. Can, can, you, can I just encourage you share your testimony Share what you've been learning in discipleship. Share God's word with them. Because it is alive and it's attractive. It's not cheap. It's not dead. It's living and it's breathing. Do you want to know why people like those um, exclusive shoes and dresses and shirts, right? Because it's expensive, right? It's valuable. I tell my students this. They love designer clothing. I tell them, you like those Gucci things and the Louis Vuitton things and the Supreme. Supreme's not a thing anymore, but you know, you like those things, right? Why do you like them? Well, because it's exclusive and it's expensive and it's valuable. Well, guess what? The gospel is way more valuable. It's way more exclusive. It's way better. 
So don't cheapen it. Don't cheapen it. All right, let's keep going. So it's time that we ask God to change the way that we think so we can be holy like him. Paul warns us to never add or take away from his truth the gospel message. Galatians 1.6 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. This is for our generation, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that is preached to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Don't be confused, church. There is only one truth. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? His name is Jesus Christ. And I know that this message is simple, and some of you are like, man, I'm tired of hearing this. Pastor Chris tells me every Sunday. Now he's got me on Wednesdays telling me the gospel's the only way. Jamie told me last week, and now you're telling me well, that's just too dang bad, guys. <laughs> this is important to Christ. That's why he keeps reminding us that there's going to be a great falling away, that there's going to be a disillusion, that there is going to be a distortion of the truth. So how do we endure? How do we stay faithful? By remaining true to God's word. By remaining true to his word. And I want to leave you with this as the music starts playing. This is Jesus' final prayer before he ascends back to heaven. And I know that he's praying to his father, but I believe that this is actually a message for us as his children. So I hope that you can concentrate on it and meditate on the words. John 17 says, Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience them. My joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join in the world's ways, just as I didn't join in the world's ways. I'm not asking that you would take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by this world than I am defined by this world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in this world, I give them a mission in this world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. I don't know about you guys, but when I read this, something stirred inside of me an excitement, a holy excitement, because I got to see that just like Jesus walked out this life and he had to make the decision to be hated by the world and he had to make the decision to lay down his own truth and pick up the Father's truth, I get to make that same decision and I get to walk out that same consecrated truth walk. We're on mission with Jesus Christ. We're on mission to live out his word. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, like I told you, the Holy Spirit was really moving this morning and changed 
the trajectory of today's message. And so I really believe there's two different invitations that I would like to invite you to take. The first is for the group of people who recognize that they've been swayed by this world, that they may be believing lies, big or small, that the enemy has been speaking over them. They, they have allowed the enemy to manipulate their thoughts and their feelings, and now they're recognizing, Lord, it's time that I align my emotions and my feelings and my thoughts with your word, God. I no longer rely on what I think is best, God. I just want to dedicate my life to you. I want to consecrate it. If you would like to be sanctified by the word of God this morning, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, reveal to me anything that offends you, Lord. Give me the fear of God so that I may hate what you hate and love what you love, so that I may love and thirst and hunger for righteousness. If that's you this morning with no one looking around, can you raise your hand? And I'm raising my hand with you. If someone's just ready to die to yourself today and to live for Christ, just raise your hand just between you and Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You may keep your eyes closed and your head down. You may also lower your hand. The second invitation I have is for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. It could even be a teenager. If you have influence in the next generation, if you have influence over siblings, relatives, children, and you recognize that today you've been validating feelings that may not need to be validated, where you need to be kind and loving and caring and entrusting with your children's thoughts, but you also need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to speak God's word over them. You need the Holy Spirit to teach you the gospel so that you may impart it into your children. You need to have no fear and no self-doubt and just with love and kindness begin to rebuke the lies of the enemy that have been spoken over your home, maybe even over your marriage, meet over yourself and today you just need to say Lord I rebuke what the enemy has spoken and today I declare your truth and I loose your blessings if that's you with no one looking around can you just raise your hand if somebody needs to start declaring truth over your family over your home over your marriage hallelujah hands are going up everywhere hallelujah if you raise your hand to either of those invitations i invite you to raise them again because i want to pray over everyone in the mighty name of jesus god i just come to you i come to you lord with just genuine humbleness lord asking for you to move god i ask for you to move on behalf of your children god they are hungering and thirsting for your righteousness, God. So I pray that you would touch them by the power of your Holy Spirit and by your presence, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would sanctify our thoughts, Lord. That you would sanctify and consecrate our lives, Lord. That we would become holy like you are holy, Lord. That you would allow us to be Christ-like and to walk with you, Jesus. I pray that we would rebuke the lies of the enemy. That we would no longer copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, God. And in this moment, Lord, we 
we would invite you into our minds, Lord. We would invite you into our hearts, Lord, to reveal anything that is displeasing to you, Lord, to reveal anything that offends you, Lord, and that you would transform and renew our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I also pray over every person who asked for boldness to be able to share truth to loved ones, to relatives, to children, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would no longer validate wrong feelings and emotions, God. We would be loving, we would be kind, just as you are, King Jesus, but that we would be unafraid to share the full gospel truth, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would stand on your truth, Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would go home today and begin rebuking every lie that was spoken over our home, over our marriage, over our children, and in the name of Jesus, we would loose the blessings that are found in your word, King Jesus. We would speak the promises that you declare over our children, God, and that we would share the gospel unafraid and unadulterated in Jesus' mighty name. And every head, just keep it bowed for a moment. I wanna pray over the next generation and we'll be released. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray over every single student here, God. I pray for every child, for every young adult, Lord. I know that our generation is being inundated with confusion, Lord. I know that our generation is being lied to constantly. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would not confuse ourselves. I pray that we would not be deceived, Lord, but we would know that there is only one way, that there is only one truth, and his name is Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would abide in your word, God, that we would be unafraid to tell our friends to tell our classmates, to even tell the school district and the leaders, God, that we are children of the Most High King. We do not waver. We do not sway. We are not easily manipulated. Instead, we stand strong by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the sword of the Spirit, which is your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, so much. Thank you all. Y'all have a blessed day. I'm available for prayer if anyone needs prayer. Thank you for the blessing it was to preach to you guys.